Making it in business isn't about spreadsheets, this or that. It's about guts, tenacity, and above all, street smarts. Join Sarah Shaw as she talks with successful entrepreneurs about all the hard-won lessons they've learned on the mean streets of the business world. If you've ever felt stuck, stifled, or even just scared to get out there and make your mark, you'll learn how even the most successful entrepreneurs overcame failure and found the power to move forward. So forget about learning about business in school, because all you need to make it big is a street smart MBA. And here's your host, Sarah Shaw. All right. Hey there, Sarah Shaw here from Get a Street Smart MBA. And we are going to be speaking to May Karawaski today, who is the founder and CEO of Obviously, which I just love that name. It's just so out there. <laughs> um, and they are a leading uh, global influencer company, and they do marketing and technology platform stuff. And under her leadership, since they launched in way back in 2014, um, obviously has become the global standard of influencer marketing, which I, this is how we found each other on Instagram. And, um, and they provide marketing and full service client experience and they manage, you know, super complex scales of influencer uh, connections. And then they use all this data and stuff to build their strategies. But with thousands of campaigns under her belt, May is recognized as an expert in this industry of influencers and has been widely quoted in the press and she's been in magazines and stuff like New York Times, Wall Street Journal, the Financial Times, on NPR, CNBC, Washington Post and obviously as clients, you know, while they work with very large brands, we're going to talk about how to use her same strategies today with all your smaller companies, but they've worked with Amazon and Ulta, Lyft, Google, you know, Coca-Cola, Hasbro. And um, in 2019, May won the uh, Campaign Female Frontier Award and the Ad Week Fastest Growing Agency Award. So, and she also has worked for the Guilt Group, um, doing social media for them before founding, obviously. So I'm really excited to talk to her. She's just going to be filled with all kinds of amazing information. So welcome, May. Can't wait to chat. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. Yeah. I'm looking here. forward to this. So let's talk about, you know, obviously you normally work with bigger brands. We've got mm -hmm. buku bucks and, <laughs> and money to burn. Right. And so how does a smaller company go about finding the right influencer, you know, meaning more on Instagram um, or maybe YouTube or, you know, whatever you suggest, just, you know, something on a smaller scale, but really knowing like how you find, you know, how do you find them? Yeah, definitely. So I think influencer identification is uh, a key kind of stumbling point for a lot of brands who are doing influencer marketing on their own. Uh, it's really easy to just say like, oh, I like this person's content. They're cool. Um, looks like they have enough followers. Let's work with them. Um, but what you really need to do is actually look at the stats behind their account. You need to look at, okay, how many followers do they have? What's their engagement rate? Um, where do their followers live? What's the gender breakdown of their following? What are the age ranges of their followers? What other brands do, do their followers follow? Um, and so there are different tools to be able to look at that. You know, Hype Auditor is a good one, um, especially if you're starting out with a smaller budget. There are SaaS platforms like Clear and Grin. You can definitely check out. But you really want to make sure that you're working with people who are reaching the right audience for you, not just like, oh, hey, I love following them. I should work with them. 
Um, and we see that that is, that that is a key mistake that people make right off the bat. And, and, um, that's so cool. Cause I was just going to ask you, where do you find all those uh, stats? But I mean, because obviously people can buy followers, right? right? So definitely the number, or I don't know, it always seems to me like the number of followers, you know, like, oh yeah, she's got 5 million followers. She must be hot. Right. Whereas if they only get five people commenting on their posts or, you know, out of 5 million, only 2000 people like a post, like, how do you, um, how do you decide, like, even before you, you know, as you're just kind of scrolling through Instagram and maybe looking at different people or searching for, for different influencers, are there like quick little things you can look at to just like jettison somebody off your radar before you even bother? Yeah. And I'll I'll caveat this with like, you know, if you're, if you're a brand like Coca-Cola, we would do a really intensive analysis on every single influencer. But if you're, if you're just starting out and you want to work with five influencers, like there are some just like kind of quick and dirty things you can do. One is you look at the engagement rate. So you look at, you know, number of likes, number of comments, add those together, divide them by number of followers, and then look at, you know, their last 10 posts, see if they vary really widely um, and see, and see if their engagement rate is good and quote unquote, good varies at, with the size of influencer. But, you know, in general, if you have 10,000 followers, you should be over, you know, the, the 2% mark, if, if you can be. Um, and then there are a lot of outliers. We're kind of looking for the, the overperformers, the overachievers, the people you're like, whoa, they have a, a 5% engagement rate and they have 20,000 followers or, oh, they have, you know, we, there's an influencer actually we work with. She has 2 million followers. She has an 8% engagement rate, like unicorn, like very few of those people. <laughs> but so you need to, you need to make sure that you're looking for that. Um, and then another thing, kind of you're doing the next round of diligence, how many, um, brand posts are they doing? How many sponsored posts are they already doing? Um, what's the performance on those posts and the engagement on those posts compared to their other posts? Some people are really, really good at incorporating brands into their posts. Other people, it looks really awkward and, and their, the performance of those posts reflects that. So I think it's, it's important to see like, are they going to be easy to work with? Are they going to create really good content around your brand? Uh, and then the third really important thing is, do they actually like your company? Do they actually like your brand or are they working with a super random assortment of people because they're trying to, you know, pick up a few hundred bucks here and there. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really important because you want their audience to really trust that this person actually really loves your brand and you're building a longer term relationship with them if it, if it works well. Um, and so I think those are like kind of the three top things to look for. Right. Cause, because if you're, I think when sometimes well, I, I don't know. I've looked at people's, you know, who claim to be an influencer yeah. and, and sometimes there's like after the, maybe the, the last 20 posts, they've only got three products that they're doing and the rest are, you know, whatever glamour shots of them just, you know, doing their own thing or them sitting on a park bench or drinking coffee. So, so do you find that smaller, but competitive influencers, do, are you su- suggesting to look for ones that are posting about a different product all the time? Or do you think that in general, sometimes their Instagram feed is a little bit more fluid with other stuff mixed in? I think you want to, you really want to see like, are they posting a lot of organic content that isn't sponsored? Um, And then when they do post sponsored content, so, you know, maybe like having one or two posts that are sponsored for every 10, um, like out of every 10, one or two are sponsored, I think is like a healthy mix. Now that, that ranges and, you know, 
you could show me an influencer who does more and they're crushing it. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's you know, <laughs> like to take everything with a grain of salt. But, um, you know, another big thing is that even if you look at the engagement rates, you might have an audience that's really engaged, but they're not purchasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's hard when you're a smaller business, you only have so many hours in the day. You only have so much time to dedicate to like finding the influencers, communicating with them, sending them packages, paying them, tracking to see the content that they've created and then seeing like, okay, did I see a lift in sales? It's a lot of work to do. Like, quite frankly, it, it, it is, it, it's a lot of work and there are a lot of details involved. Um, and so there are some influencers who just audiences are going to convert for your brand. And like, there's just a real alignment between your brand and their audience. And there are other influencers who might have really high engagement, but their audience just for whatever reason, isn't feeling your product. Right. Um, so there really is a test and learn element I would really compare this to if you're doing Instagram ads or Facebook ads now, some pieces of content are really going to hit and are really going to perform well. And some are really not going to perform well. And it's really hard to say at the outset, which is going to be the top performing piece of content. But when you know at the end, then you need to optimize the next time you do it. Um, For example, we have one influencer we work with, she has, you know, 11,000 followers, but whenever she posts about Chanel, she sells a handbag. And that is a $10,000 handbag. So that audience is like a great audience to go after. Now you might have someone else who has the same stats and the same following. When they post about Chanel, you're not seeing that purchase come through. So, uh, you know, it's people are following them and people have different behaviors. So I think it's important to set your your, your expectations in in a realistic uh, place too. So it's the same kind of, I mean, what you're saying, I think is that just like you would test your, Uh, Facebook or Instagram ads, you have to test your influencer marketing because you might get someone that lots of people love, but it may not work for your product. Yeah. Maybe she can sell a ton of tie dye t-shirts, but like your, you know, clean foundation is just not resonating with her, with her audience. And then you learn that and you try and you try again with someone new. Um, And just like with, you know, Google search ads, some text works, some doesn't, Mm -hmm. you'll, you'll figure it out. Um, but I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to work with an influencer. It takes some time to actually do it. And then they're like, oh, that didn't work. Or that did work. And I was like, yeah, you worked with one person. Like, (laughs) you know, like that's like when with my company, you know, we'll work with a hundred people. Okay. Who are the top 25? Let's figure that out. But when you're not working at that scale and you're smaller, you do need to at least, you know, realize that there's going to be some real trial and error involved. Right. How... Um, so how do you contact the influencers? Let's say you're looking for, you know, smaller, right. People listening have smaller companies, probably under half a million in sales. So Mm -hmm. can't spend a fortune on, um, paying influencers. Um, so how, how do you, you know, how do you, what do you think the people maybe who have under 25,000, you know, followers or something, how do you, expect how much do you expect to pay them and what do you say to them yeah so i think i think attention to detail and really finding the right influencers can save you a lot of money um and so like writing a really thoughtful email if their emails in their bio or a thoughtful direct message it doesn't need to be an essay but it can be like hey like you know you have two daughters so do i like i love what you're doing xyz just making sure that they know it's not like some form copy and paste email that like you're a real person, maybe explaining like in a few lines about like your business and how you're building it and what you're really excited about. 
because these influencers are, I mean, they're on the grind too, you know, like they're trying to grow their following. They're trying to grow their business. They're trying to make more money. And if you can really connect with them and build an actual relationship, that's really where, like, that's really where you want to get to anyway, if, if like, a, you know, a test run works well. So starting out kind of from that mindset works really well because um, they're people. And if they love your brand and they think you're cool, like you're going to be able to get a lot further with a partnership rather than, you know, hey, here's a forum email. I'm going to try to, you know, see how little I can pay you and we're going to see if it works. You know, it's like, <laughs> like, you gotta, like, you know, yeah. when you're like, I mean, my company was at that size too. At one point, you, you, you got to work with what you got and what you got right. is a great story and you've got hustle. So like sell that to the influencer and tell them like, I'm really investing in this space. I'm looking to build, you know, a few longer term relationships with influencers. I think you could potentially be a great fit. Like I'd love to jump on a call. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of, a lot of people re don't realize that influencers are really excited to build relationships with brands they think are really cool. And I know a number of brands that are, yeah, on the smaller side, but like their fan bases are like, would be psyched to get a call from the founder. Um, so I think you really got to like, and sometimes, you know, in the day in, day out of growing your business and all the frustration and like everything you're dealing with, you can forget that. Um, so I think I would play to that strength, you know, like, Hey, you know, especially if, you know, a woman influencer, like, Hey, I know you're building your business. I am too. I love what you're doing. Like, I'd love to send you some product. You can actually probably, if you hit it off with the right person, you're going to find someone who genuinely loves your brand probably can negotiate a deal that's more favorable to you rather than someone who's trying to like charge you the rate they would charge a fortune 100 company. Um, and yeah, you could really, you, you can really make this a more affordable endeavor if you kind of put in that, that effort up front. Mm. So I, I love that you said to just to write to them in, in your own, well, in obviously your own voice, but making sure that you're, you know, kind of making friends with them, right? They're yeah. just, it's just another, well, most likely it's going to, be a woman doing a woman's brand, but, um, you know, it's just another girl, right. <laughs> Who's looking for some connection out there and, and some, uh, and a, and a way to form and forge a new relationship with another business entity as well as make money. So definitely. Um, yeah. I yeah. mean, I've made a lot of friends who are influencers now and like, and then they go on to start businesses and then they're telling me about their businesses and I'm seeing if I can give them any advice, like, you know, it's, circle. it's, it's a social network. Yeah. yeah like, exactly. That's, that's awesome. We can support each other. <laughs> yeah, so like, exactly, I'm all for yeah. that. So what do you, what do you think, um, people should expect to pay an influencer? I mean, do that, is it always upfront money? Is there a way to, if they love your product and think, oh my God, I'm going to sell like, you know, 2000 of these, would they be willing to do a smaller fee and a percentage of sales? You know, what, how do you negotiate that? Yeah, I think it's a great question. There, there's a lot of flexibility in the market right now, and there isn't much standardization. So I think that's why if you are smaller, you should kind of, kind of try to treat that as a strength rather than a weakness. So try to really get to know the influencers you're talking to, see what products they like, see if potentially you could give them more product. And if that makes sense for you, you know, there's the, re there's the actual like sale value and then, then there's your own margin. So it's going to be less expensive. Um, sometimes you can give someone more product or a product to give to their friends or have them do a product giveaway and that will help them grow their own audience. Um, as well as, I mean, I really like to start with an upfront payment if you can do it because you're telling the influencer, like, I value your time. I know it's going to take you at least a few hours to like get the package, figure out what you're going to do, get a photographer, shoot this, edit it, and then post it. Um, and I think that just sets a good precedent for like, I know how hard you're working. I'm working hard too. That being said, you could, you know, 
sometimes you can just build relationships and, and do it for on a product basis if you're a smaller company. So there is some real wiggle room there. So I won't, I'll kind of just say like, see what you can see what you can do. Um, but it, it is off putting if you're an influencer and you're like, you know, it's hard to create content all the time on all these platforms day in, day out, trying to like manage all your brand partnerships and do all this work. So if you can really appeal to the influencer, know, like have them know that, you know, where they're at too. Um, a lot of brands are coming to them, like big kind of nameless brands saying, Hey, would you do this on an affiliate basis? If you don't start off with that, you know, maybe, maybe you have a great partnership and you, you do like two or three posts with them over several months. And then, then you want to offer them, um, like an affiliate commission and you want to talk more about that. That's a better way to approach it. Um, just cause so many brands are like, yeah, I'll give you 5%. I'll give you 10%. And it's like the influencer just really feels like they're not being valued. Mm. And it's more like a personal thing than it is, you know, oh yeah, this could make a lot of sense for me. Um, so, so I, I usually see it as like a step two, if you really like working with that person. Okay. And so if you, I mean, is it 500, 2000, 5,000? I mean, what do you find on average, like smaller influencers? I mean, it, it seriously, var- it really varies. You could have someone with 20,000 followers who's charging $2,000 and you could have someone who's charging $50. So I think like okay. that because this Delta really exists, um, kind of see like, Hey, here's where I'm at. And you can start. And if you position it like, Hey, we're friendly, you know, you can really either get to a great place or their fee is going to be too high and it's not going to work, but you know, you've made a new connection. Um, and I think that's just kind of how you need to approach it. It's going to be a negotiation that can either really work in your favor, or this might not be the right person for you. Um, and sometimes people really increase their rates if they're not totally sure about your brand. And I think that's, that's another thing too, you know, like, they're like, I don't really like your brand that much, but if you were to pay me, you know, 50% more than my rate, maybe I'll do it. And you don't really want to work with that person either. Right. Cause you right. want someone who actually likes your brand. Yeah. So it, it, it's a little bit of a matchmaking process. Um, especially when you're, when you're smaller and you don't have more resources to dedicate to doing it at scale. Right. Okay. Got it. So let's just say you land an influencer. They do some awesome posts. It's going great. How do you, um, get the most out of it on your end? Like what, what would you suggest? You know, like if let's just say I was, I was the person, right. What would I do to maximize that post? I think the big thing is before they even create the content and after you've like negotiated what the incentive is giving them a creative brief, or at least a creative direction with clearly stating, at least so you know what your goal is. Sometimes we'll talk to a smaller brand and they'll be like, well, I want brand awareness, but also I really want them to talk about the benefits of this one specific product. I also want them to talk about the fact that we're in this new retailer and they should check it out in the store. And I want to drive sales. And we're like, well, that's, I don't know how many, four things I just said, like we need to focus on one. Um, so, so let's, let's focus on one so we can actually measure it. And, and that's really important. Um, so if you're going to talk about the fact that you're in a retailer, have that be the focus of the creative brief. If you really want to, you know, talk about one specific product and why it's great, have that be the focus. Um, okay. If you need people to like really understand like and your brand and have more brand awareness, then like make sure that like they're hitting on the right points about your your brand. Um, and so I think that is huge because the number of times people just like, cool, here's money, here's the product, and it's totally not what they wanted like that happens more often than not, you need to really be clear about, Hey, here are some things. And then I also like to say like things not to do. Um, 
maybe it's like have the product clearly visible, have the label clearly visible. You know, there are just certain, don't have it be black and white. If that's like, if your brand is super colorful and poppy um, and make sure that the caption like really talks about X, Y, and Z and your your relationship to it or a story around the brand. Um, those things are, are really important. Otherwise it could just be like, in the background somewhere, or like, you know, you're a necklace company, you can barely see the necklace. Um, and they just have an awesome outfit on and you're like, Oh, actually that, you know, no one even really knows that we're tagged in this or like, we're in the second half of the caption. You got to <laughs> click through for more before you see it. So like that stuff that, that definitely happens. And so you need to be really tight on your, the details to the creative brief. And sometimes you just want to jump on a call to talk through that with them. And maybe they want to run a few ideas by you and the more time you spend up front in that, in that process, like the more you're going to get out of it. So I think that's important. The other thing is that I think a lot of small businesses don't use the creative assets as well as they could. And mm. you can negotiate that up front too. Um, so a big thing that I like to recommend to especially smaller businesses is like, what sort of creative assets do you need? Do you need gifts? Do you need short videos? Do you need more photos? Um, do you need just like close up shots of your product for your email, for your website? for Instagram ads. Like if you really like this person's aesthetic, you could then ask, you could pay them to create an additional 25 assets that you then own. You just need to be mm. super clear that you own the rights to them. Um, or you just want the, the rights for a, a, the digital rights for a year for that one photo. And that's great. Um, like that can actually save you a ton of time. And, and you have an asset that, you know, will perform well in social, especially compared to maybe something you shoot yourself. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think that's that that's something case. like really, I'm like, yeah. use the assets, the assets will like, if you regram this and give the influencer credit, you're like, that post is going to perform better than anything else you posted on Instagram. I like, guarantee you. Um, and so I think that's, that's really important to make sure you're, you know, everything's multitasking right, for mm -hmm. you. Oh, that's great. That's great thought. Um, I, I didn't realize that you could get, you know, get the images, certain images from them or shots that they take or um, definitely, especially if you, you say that up front and it's like in, in a contract, um, and say like, Hey, here's how I want to use the rights. Uh, you can, you can have an influencer who then becomes basically your freelance photographer or your freelance <laughs> videographer, you know, and, and you've already tested out their content, you know, it performs well, right. Um, that's going to save you a ton of time. And usually the rate, their rates are more reasonable than working with say like a creative shop or something else. And, and obviously just kind of going back to the regramming that you just mentioned. So how, how else do people use the, you know, let's say the video or the Instagram post that somebody did or the photo or whatever, right? Obviously you're going to share it to your own Instagram, right? Um, can you then use the, like use their, that, like a screenshot of that post in a Facebook ad, or do you need, do you need to have permission from them? Yeah. So like, I mean, permission is the name of the game, right? Because it, it is a relationship and, and they're creating all of this content and that's their livelihood. So usually they're really open to it, but they, you really can't have them find out by seeing the Facebook ad. Like that's just <laughs> not, that's not right. It's not, yeah. it's a good way to burn a bridge like immediately. So I, I would say like, okay, I would love to, you know, have image rights for this on, for Facebook ads. I'd also you have love to use this on email. I'm going to credit you um, when I use it on email, like it will create a hyperlink that will actually link out to your, um, to, to your profile. Mm -hmm. Or like, I'd love to do a whole email that's about, you know, you and like you promoting 
and like why you love this product and send that all out to my, to all of my audience on my listserv, that's actually really great value add. And that's something that you can offer to the influencer at the same time. And it's going to create really great high-performing content for you in a totally new channel. Um, so I would say like the more that you can talk about that with the influencer upfront, um, but it's a great way to get, to get assets for Facebook ads, as long as you're telling them that, and that's part of the fee. Right. Okay, great. Um, and then, so anything, this has been so great. So anything else you can think of that, you know, that some pitfalls or mistakes that young, smaller companies make when, when reaching out or just like mistake, like you've mentioned so many things, like make sure about, you know, making sure the photos are discussed in the contract and all that. That's great. Cause I, I didn't, it would never even have thought of that. Um, yeah, there are so many details. I mean, another thing is clearly having a timeline because a lot of these influencers have content calendars. We see this, especially like around the holidays or say you want to do a Valentine's day campaign and you need the assets by a certain day and you want the assets to go live by a certain time, more likely than not, this influencer is talking to other brands about potentially doing Valentine's day content too. So either you don't want to be like one of four Valentine's posts on, you know, <laughs> on Valentine's day. You also don't want to be two days later, um, or maybe like seven days prior. Uh, so it's, so really making sure that you're clear about when you want them to post, um, is, is great. And then, um, it's not uncommon, especially for, uh, maybe like high-end luxury brands or brands who have like a really strong grip on their, on their own brand, um, to ask for content approval before it goes live. But you need to say that up front. And you need to say that, like, I want to see all of this content before it goes live. And you're going to most likely, more likely than not pay more for that. Um, especially if you're doing multiple rounds of revision, uh, cause that can be really frustrating for, you know, an influencer essentially has to hire a crew to, you know, unless they're like dating their photographer, or their <laughs> husband or wife or something, <laughs> which actually happens a lot, but like, you know, a lot of effort goes into it and sure. if they're like, then have to reshoot everything. Like that's it. Like that's a huge pain unless like, they know like, okay, this is going to be part of it. There's real upside in this for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like, you know, we actually have, we work with Ulta, um, the beauty retailer and they actually took, um, influencer content and created signage in their store. So there's just like these awesome, huge, great <laughs> shots of these different influencers. And then we had the influencers go in store and take photos with them. And it was just like, oh, this is awesome. That's it's uh, like an, uh, your own billboard. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And we've, and we've, and we've had um, other, other activations where influencer content is on billboards, um, on TV commercials, like during the Super Bowl. I mean, like there are really cool things that like that boosts their career, that boosts their sure. book of um, work as well. So, um, so yeah, whenever you can kind of add in those things, that's, that's great. I guess another thing too, that I I would add is, uh, influencers are typically, if you're working with someone in a specific niche, they are experts. So asking their opinion on like, do you like this color? Do you like this packaging? They usually love to give that, that, like that information and their opinion for free. And it can really, really help you. Um, especially like in saying the beauty vertical, if you have a skincare influencer, they've tried what, at least 200 different types of moisturizer in the past year. Like they're going to be able to tell you, like, I don't like the consistency. This is this, the fragrance is a little too strong for me. And it will just really help you like really like, Oh, okay. I'm either going to take that feedback or I'm not, but I've seen brands like really improve what they're doing because they're, it's like an essentially a consultant who knows a ton about space. Yeah. And is, and is going, um, that's great to, to 
go out to do that with people. And is, is our influencers kind of working sort of the same as magazines, like two to three months out for especially like holiday type posts, like you were saying, Valentine's Day, you know, are the Hallmark holidays, right? Are those kind of way, do you have to book way out in advance? Do they work more last minute? How's most influencers do have a, a pretty set content calendar. Um, and, and so I would say the earlier you can talk to them, the better. So yeah, two to three months is, is great. Um, especially during the holidays, uh, end of year is, is really a really hectic time for, for them. Um, they've got a lot going on. Sure. <laughs> uh, and balls everywhere. Yeah, right? Exactly. Uh, yes. so I would say definitely like the earlier, the better just to get on their radar. You have some influencers who are more on the fly and who like to operate that way more, but if you can still be like the more organized one, I think that's, that's the way to be. Yeah. It sounds like it. Then, then you're sure to get your time slots and the, the right days and weeks or whatever for your promotions or whatever you're doing. Yeah. And then they're uh, planning around the work that they're already doing with you rather yes. than trying to like slot you in right. um, because say, say, you know, say you're the fourth post in one day, like your engagement could really be significantly lower. Um, especially if they have like three great posts before yours. And so you, you really don't want those type of things to, to affect mm -hmm. you as well. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. Thanks May. This has been great. Yeah. No um, problem. yeah. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and follow you on social and check out your website? Yeah, definitely. So our website is obvious.ly um, and definitely check it out if you're an influencer or, or if you're a brand. Um, and then my personal handle on Twitter and Instagram is maywow. Um, yeah, you can check me out there. Well, thanks, May. I hope to catch up with you again soon. And I really appreciate all of this uh, awesome information and uh, can't wait to chat with you again. Sounds great. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to A Street Smart MBA with Sarah Shaw. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes anytime, anywhere. And we'll see you on the next one.